0: My name is Dixon. I'm the chief content nerd at Loveline Nerd, and uh, I'm here to talk to you about creating proximity. So neighboring nerds in a deeply divided culture, um, creating proximity is a huge part of effective disciple making. Here's the thing you need to understand about yourself. You are a disciple and you are a disciple maker. Think about it. There are people you are following and there are people who are following you. The question we need to ask ourselves is, who are we following and who's following us? But also, as they follow us, who are we making them more like? Um, Are we making disciples of Jesus or disciples of something else, right? Disciples of ourselves, of our own platform, our own agenda. If we really want to make disciples of Jesus, we have to invite people in. Invite people into our lives, and then I think also look for invitations into the lives of other people without being a jerk, right? That without being a jerk part is really important and a big part of what we're about at Love My Nerd. Um, so I recently saw two billboards that illustrate this this divide that I think is present in the world today and this crisis facing disciple-making today. These billboards illustrate why I think disciple-making is really difficult in our current day and age. So let me share these with you. One I saw on my way to go meet up with a buddy at his house to ride bikes. We are going to go mountain biking together and i'm he kind of lives in not in the country but almost but i was riding i was driving down this country road on the way to his subdivision and i see this kind of country church with a big sign on their on their campus and it said this this is a mask free church campus kindly remove them or stay in your car we celebrate faith over fear so that's the first one the second billboard i see every sunday when my family and i drive to our church and it said this, it says this, sleep in on Sundays, <laughs> sleep in on Sundays. And at the bottom in small print, it says, brought to you by the Freedom From Religion Foundation. So when we look at these two billboards, we immediately uh, feel like we know, don't we, a lot about the people who pin them. These signs are a snapshot, I think, of a deep divide present in our world. But I also want to say that things like this, for many of us, immediately trigger a whole bunch of assumptions about the people who would pin these signs, right? Right. That mask-free church campus sign—you immediately think this person must be conservative, r- really conservative. They must—they're probably evangelical because it's on a church campus. Then connected with the whole anti-mask thing, they're probably anti-vaccination. Um, they're probably suspicious of 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 liberal government. Right? We we think we know a lot about such people. They're probably evangelicals. Probably Trump supporters. That type of thing. When you see the sleep-in on Sundays, though, you also trigger that also triggers a bunch of thoughts in your mind, right? That person's probably anti-religious. I mean, that's right there on the sign. Um, they're probably either an atheist or an agnostic. Um, and not all people who are atheist or agnostic are anti-religion, but we might think that, they, that these people certainly are. We probably also think they're more likely to be a Democrat. They're also probably more likely to be liberal politically. Um, and we see all these things, and that tells us, I think... Here's the problem. We see those kinds of signs and we think we know everything we need to know about this person. And we know everything we need to know about them in terms of whether or not we'll ever build a relationship with someone who would pin a saying like that. Um, And listen, I do not want to say anything political uh, in this message. The goal is not to get you to side with me on my personal politics or with anyone else. I just want to illustrate that that this is a picture – of the current cultural divide, right? And we add to this deep divide the isolation that many people have experienced due to COVID-19 and the Delta variant, and what happens? People can't hang out in the same room. They can't hang out in person, so they seek community on social media. And listen, um, I'm not here to disparage social media. I use it. I think it's important. It's a valuable tool in my life. I'm thankful for social media, but when we seek community only on social media, here's what I think happens. It often makes this divide worse. If you haven't yet, I highly recommend watching the Netflix documentary The Social Dilemma. Go check that out. It's really interesting. But here's one of my takeaways from the film. We all have this idea that social media brings people together. It's social after all, right? But the reality is that it often deepens the divisions between people who see the world differently. So here's an example. Um, let's say you go on YouTube, which, by the way, is a social media platform. We don't think of it that way, but it is. We go on YouTube and you watch a video. And what's going to happen when that video is over? Um, a timer is going to tick down, and it's going to suggest next the next video for you to watch, right? And as this timer ticks down, if it reaches zero, it's just going to go ahead and play that video for you, whether you want to watch it or not. It's going to go ahead and play it for you. Um, and listen, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter – all these sites are gathering information about us constantly based on our likes and dislikes and so forth. And so more than likely YouTube's going to give you a video that it thinks based on your previous watching habits that you want to see. And do you think YouTube is going to give you – let's say it's a political video. It's suggesting a political video. Do you think that political video is going to be super nuanced, thoughtful, looks at all sides of an issue, talks to the best people on all sides, gets the best arguments possible from everyone involved and presents them in the best possible light? Or is it more likely to be inflammatory and over-the-top and in-your-face and controversial? Um, YouTube knows – you're more likely to watch that latter, controversial, in-your-face, over-the-top video than you are the nuanced one. It knows that because we live in an attention attention economy. Your attention is being bidded for constantly by social media, by the internet. They want you to click on that next video. Why? Because then they can show you the next ad, they can get you to invest more, they can make more money. Uh, And they can show to the people who market... Who, who who put commercials on YouTube, hey, look, look at our click rate, right? Um, and so uh, well, all that to say, like Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all these sites that we think are making our lives better and more connected are actually deepening the divide. They're further entrenching us in our already deeply held beliefs. And so in a lot of ways, I think our presence on social media actually um, actually makes... The world more divided um think you remember like back before facebook um had the different reactions you could give to a post like now you can do the angry reaction or the sad reaction or the wow reaction the surprise reaction um or the care reaction i like the care one i use that one a lot i like I, I like the heart one too i use it a lot um and remember we were all like i wish facebook would give us a dislike button or some way to interact with things more and you know what we've done by clamoring for that? We've actually given Facebook more information about us so they can market to us more specifically. Um, but here's the reality that we live in now. Um, we're deeply divided, and social media is causing us to be even more divided. And so we have people all over Facebook and stuff just calling their Facebook. They're making it even more divided. They're like getting rid of anybody who voted for someone they wouldn't have voted for, right? <laughs> And and this is the reality we live in. People on the far left and people on the far right have one thing in common that's hindering the mission mission of Jesus. They are constantly and actively building up walls against one another. And you may not be far right or far left, but you are influenced by this divide. Here's what what I want to say. You may be far more moderate than anything I've described so far. It doesn't matter. You are influenced by this deep divide and probably more than you think. And thanks to this deep divide, we are all far more prone than ever before to label people who seem different than us. And when we label people, we can shut down a conversation, much less a relationship, long before it ever has the potential to take root, right? So here's what we know, too, about relationships and discipleship. They go hand in hand. You can't have real discipleship without meaningful relationships, um, it's impossible. If there's not a meaningful relationship, discipleship is going to be impoverished at best, right? This is at the heart of the mission and method of Love Thy Nerd. We exist to be the love of Jesus to nerds and nerd culture, and we do that by loving and serving our nerdy neighbors. And that requires relationships, doesn't it? So that's what we're trying to do constantly with our trips to conventions, with our curriculum, with our articles, with our podcasts. We are inviting people in. That's the goal, to say, come, come on in. Let's talk. Let's talk about what you love. Let's talk about what you're into. Let's 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 build a relationship around nerd culture. We're trying to figure out ways to bring people near, to create proximity, so a relationship can form. And listen, thanks to re- researchers like Brené Brown, there has recently been a resurgence of interest in vulnerability. Um, I won't bore you with all the details, uh, but um, But there's essentially what psychologists are saying about vulnerability. But essentially what I – I won't bore you with all the details, but here is essentially what psychologists and researchers are saying about vulnerability. They say being vulnerable, letting people in on who you really are and what you really care about. Letting people see the real you, that's vulnerability. Uh, That vulnerability is key to meaningful relationships, and such meaningful relationships are absolutely essential to mental health. So I want to put that in like spiritual Christian terms for us because that's what we're here to talk about, right? To put this in spiritual terms, I think this clarifies something about us as human beings that we already know deep down but need to be reminded of. And here it is. We all have a deep need to be truly known and to know other people intimately. Every human being longs to be truly known and truly loved. Without relational vulnerability, I think discipleship's at a standstill, and all our ex- in, in in our experience of the gospel will be impoverished at best. Discipleship, true discipleship, requires honesty and trust. But I think you see the problem, right? We live in a culture that's training us to fight vulnerability at all costs, and to build up walls against one another based on our first interaction, our f- the first red flag that comes up, um, and so. And listen, I think we're really good at it. So I think we live in a world where neighborliness, at least in the West, is at an all-time low. At least in the United States, right? Is under, neighborliness is under attack. We're living in a crisis of neighborliness. And this plays out in nerd culture all the time, too. Think of a few years ago, back when Gamergate was a big deal, and now we're seeing hate mobs on Twitch. But beyond those big examples, think about how much gatekeeping goes on in nerd culture, and even we, I think, sometimes unknowingly participate in it. Listen, if you can't have a conversation with someone about the Marvel Universe or Star Wars without the conversation devolving into you shaming them for how much less they know than you do, you need to check the way you're interacting with nerd culture. Um, and, and listen, if that's you, just stop, right? Let people have opinions that are different than yours. Let people have a vocabulary about the Marvel Universe that's not as strong as yours. Let them know less than you do without feeling stupid for it. Listen, you are allowed to love or hate The Last Jedi. It doesn't matter. Seriously, let it go. Um. I seriously think those kind of attitudes, that kind of gatekeeping could be hindering you from loving your neighbor, your nerdy neighbor, in a significant way. Um, If someone has to know everything that you know about comic books or anime or video games or or Dungeons & Dragons to be your friend, uh, you need to check check yourself. So how can we be the love of Jesus to nerds in such a deeply divided world? How can we love and serve our nerdy neighbors? I believe engaging nerd culture presents us with a unique opportunity to to slowly but surely break down those barriers to vulnerability that we're all building up and ultimately um, take steps towards, towards meaningful discipleship. So games and nerd culture give us a common vernacular, a common language, a common vocabulary. They allow us a new foundation from which to build meaningful relationships. If we start with My Hero Academia or Dungeons & Dragons or Minecraft or Magic the Gathering or even the Marvel Universe or even Star Wars, though those are dangerous (laughs) places to start sometimes, but if we start from these common areas of interest, from these places of mutual interest, when we start there, we avoid starting with the labels that we so quickly build walls against one another because of, right? So real real quick, I want to look at three stories from the life of Jesus that illustrate what it looks like uh, to build meaningful relationships, to create proximity to people who are different from and maybe even culturally divided from us, the people that we might think it would be difficult to hang out in the same room with. But if we start, I think, with nerd culture, if we start with our mutual uh, affections for things in... In the world of nerddom, um, we, we can build a real relationship. So I want to look at Jesus' example and then think about how we can, we can leverage his example in nerdy spaces. So these are ways Jesus built relationships and created space in which vulnerability was possible. As we look at Jesus' example, we'll see three ways we can tear down barriers, invite vulnerability, and create proximity. So three ways Jesus challenges us to create proximity – with our neighbors. First, he challenges us to make margin, to make margin. So I want to look at, at Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, Mark 10, they came to Jericho, Jesus, Jesus and his disciples. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many warned him to keep quiet, but he was crying out all the more, Have mercy on me, son of David. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man and said to him, Have courage, get up, he is calling for you. He threw off his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Then Jesus answered him, What do you want me to do for you? Rabboni, the blind man said to him, I want to see. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has saved you. Immediately... He began, he could see, immediately he could see, and he began to follow Jesus on the road. Um, so, I think another barrier to relationships is the frantic pace at which we live. Uh, Jesus constantly rebelled against the expectations others had for him and the frantic pace of life others were trying to foist upon him. He made time to be alone and to reflect, um, to pray. He made time for his disciples. He made time to rest. He refused to jump through every hoop. Everyone expected him to. By refusing to please everyone who placed demands on him, he was able to make margin for the people who were most desperate for him, people like blind beggars in the story we just read. So here's what I want to say to you. If you want to have margin in your life to build meaningful relationships that lead to vulnerability and real discipleship, um, you have to plan for it. You have to plan for and prioritize the relationships you want to build there will always be something more important that you should be doing than building that relationship or prioritizing that person or that friend. We have to, we have to plan for it. We have to plan. Um, Jesus was able and willing in the story to be interrupted. I love that about Jesus. Um, he moved closer to, not further from, the people that were most desperate for him. And we do the opposite so often, don't we? Like, we move away from the people that most desperately want our attention. Uh, We worry they're going to take too much of our time. We worry they're going to take more from us than we get back in return. Um, But Jesus moved closer to the people who wanted him the most. Who's bidding for your attention? I think following Jesus means making an effort to see the people who are dying to get our attention – as opportunities for ministry and for love and service rather than as annoyances, right? The kinds of people Jesus was willing to let interrupt him is also pretty telling, right? Um, I don't know if you knew this, but Jesus is kind of a big deal. Like, he's he's pretty famous at this point in Mark's gospel. Everybody wants to be around him. They've heard of the amazing things he's doing. They've heard of his healings. They've heard of his miracles. Uh, He's a big deal but Jesus didn't seek out influential and important people to follow him. He always had time for unimportant people, people who at first glance had very little to offer him in return. In reality, listen, I want you to hear me say this. Every person has tremendous potential for the glory of God and the good of the world. And Jesus sees that in people again and again. So, but he doesn't look at people or like who's going to raise the profile of my ministry. Who's going to help me be a better influencer, right? So we need to ask ourselves, do we gauge whether people are worthy of our attention? Um, And how do you think about that? Do you look at people and think they aren't interesting enough or conservative enough or liberal enough or influential enough or nerdy enough to be my friend and have my attention? Um, I think Jesus' example would say, let go of those qualifications to be your friend. Who qualifies to get your attention and to be your friend? Um, Jesus would say, "Let go, let go of those of that list." Um, and even I think Jesus might say, "Look for ways to give yourself to the people who already want your attention." Maybe it's your kids, and you just need to spend more time playing games with your kids. Maybe it's a neighbor who um, who's just constantly wanting to talk to you about something you don't care about, NASCAR or something. <laughs> I just I just mentioned that because something I don't care about. Um, could you make an effort to understand where they're coming from and what they're about um, to build a relationship with them? Um, second thing that Jesus gives us an example of, uh, I think Jesus Jesus challenges us in the Gospels constantly to examine our values. I want to look at Matthew chapter 9 and a story where Jesus, um, I think, shows us. Uh, I think this story challenges us to examine our values. So this is Mark 9 starting in verse 35. Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, this is it, listen to this. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Jesus sees people, and he sees them as distressed and dejected, and he has compassion. What does that tell us about Jesus? What did he value? I think the short answer is people. Do you see how Jesus saw the crowd? He looked out on them as people who weren't going the right way, weren't doing the right things, and he doesn't look at them and go, look at all these sinners. No, he looks at them and says, "They they need me. They need help. They need a shepherd. He had compassion on them. So I think that challenges us to think about what what do we value? Do we value people or politics? Do we value impact or influence? Do you value impacting people for good, making their lives better, or leaning on them to increase your own importance or influence? I'm pretty sure Jesus doesn't care about your influencer status on Instagram, unless you're leveraging that status to love other people and point them to him. Um, I think that's possible, okay? Don't mishear me. Um, I think it's certainly possible to be an influencer that points people to Jesus. But it, but it comes with its own challenges, doesn't it? So um, what, what do you value, people or politics? Impact or influence? Your own influence or your impact on other people and your, your ability to point them to the love and hope that's found in Jesus? Um, in this story, do you see yourself in the crowd Or in the position of Jesus, looking out on all the sinners who need direction. Um, I think we all have a tendency to see ourselves in the place of Jesus in the story, and that's the wrong place to start. Um, I want to get to where I see myself in Jesus in the story, but first I need to see myself in the crowd. First we need to see ourselves in the crowd as those people who need the direction and guidance that only Jesus can provide. And once we see ourselves in the crowd as needing Jesus' guidance and direction, then we'll be able to look out on the crowds of nerds in our lives with compassion and genuine love. So um, consider, what can your nerdy neighbors teach you, and are you willing to learn? If we really believe the gospel, we know that every person has inherent value, and all people have something to teach us, don't they? Um, Because everyone is made in the image of God, they have inherent value and worth, and they have something to teach us. So just be curious about the people around you. What can you learn from them? How can the people around you, even if they're not Christians, right? How can they help you? How can they increase your understanding, your empathy, your care, your understanding? How can they help you be a better person? Follow jesus and appoint other people to christ um be genuinely curious about them do recon what is your neighbor into and who is near you and bidding for your attention what are their ages and interests um if you want to use games to minister to your neighbors um ask some important questions about how you could do that um one question i try try to ask myself is is are these dinner first people or games first people um It's a helpful, like, it's just something I totally made up, but it's helpful for me. So a dinner first person is someone who, if I asked them to come over and play board games, they'd be like, oh, that's kind of weird. I don't know you that well yet. Um, But if I said, hey, would you want to come over for a meal? Like we're grilling out burgers this weekend um, and we're going to, you know, we're going to grill out and, and it's going to, and have a good time. Uh, They'd be like, oh, cool. Yeah, that sounds fun. Um, but then there's other people who, if I ask them to come over for dinner, are going to be like, Oh, I don't know. That's kind of weird. Like we just met a few weeks ago, but if I invite them over to play games because they're gamers, because they like to play board games and games are super fun, they're like, Oh, that sounds cool. Um, so, but like that person, I want to get to the place where I can have dinner with them. And the person who doesn't, who is willing to come over for dinner, but not for games, I want to get to the place where maybe I can play games with them or do something more than just, than just have a meal with them. Um, but the goal is to build relationships, to create uh, proximity, so that we can be nearer to them and have real meaningful relationships, right? Um, and listen, I want to say this. If your understanding of the gospel doesn't move you closer to people outside the faith, then I think you might want to reevaluate your understanding. I want to look at one more story from the Gospel of Mark. This is from Mark chapter 3, and an example that Jesus sets for us. This one may seem kind of... Um, you may not get it right away, but I think I, th- I think it'll make sense. I want to challenge us to play better, play games, engage nerd culture better. Let's let's play better. I think Jesus does. I think Jesus is playing at a higher level than anyone else, and it'll make sense in a minute. I hope. Uh, all right, Mark chapter three, starting in verse one. Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a shriveled hand. In order to accuse him. The religious leaders were watching him closely to see whether he would heal this man on the Sabbath. He told the man with the shriveled hand, stand before us. Then he said to them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. After looking around at at them with anger, he was grieved at the hardness of their hearts and told them, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and his hand was restored. Immediately the Pharisees went out and started plotting with the Herodians against him how they might kill him. Um, all right, so that might seem like what? How is Jesus playing better there? What I think is going on there is Jesus is wiser, smarter, uh, playing at playing the game of life at a higher level than than anyone at, around him, um, and I think there's a lesson for us here about how we can build affinity with nerds. Um, so. There was all this cultural expectation amongst the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, about how people kept the Sabbath. This idea that you wouldn't work on Saturday, but you would rest on Saturday and take that as a day of rest and worship, right? And so what the Pharisees did was they built all these laws around that law, which was designed for good, like – the, the Sabbath is a gift from God to human beings to say, hey, don't spend all your time working and being productive. Make sure you take time to take a break and rest and cease from being productive and maybe even play. I think play can be a part – can be restful, can be a part of of of, of, of how we honor the Sabbath. Um, and so Jesus is saying though like you guys have missed the point. By refusing to let people – like by saying it's wrong to heal someone with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath, like to make someone's life – um, categorically better, substantially better, and fuller, and 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 to provide this man uh, opportunity to f- to flourish more deeply in life. Like if you think that's wrong, you've missed the point. Like you you're off, you're off track in a really profound way. So Jesus is 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 being excellent. I think with his understanding of the law, he understands the law at a deeper, more profound level than anyone around him. Um, so I think as we play games, as we um, engage nerd culture and try to, to build relationships around nerd culture so we can point nerds to Jesus, let's think about how we play. How can we play more inclusively, more restfully? How can we invite more people in and, and fight the temptation to keep more people out? How can we play creatively? How can we play socially How can we play less selfishly? How can you make your time playing games less about getting what you want out of the experience and more about loving and serving and helping other people have a good time and connect? So yeah, I mean, you might want to think about playing multiplayer games if you don't. But even if you hate multiplayer games, talk to people who love those games. Talk to them about it. Find an affinity group. Um, Start a messenger group or a Discord channel where you talk about whatever it is you like to nerd out about. I do that with lots of things. I do it with Survivor, um, the reality show. I have a Survivor podcast. Um, and so I have this this messenger group where we just nerd out about Survivor. Um, I have other friends that I nerd out about mountain biking with and F1 racing and video games um, and Switch, Nintendo Switch video games. Um, so, so look for ways to Look for who around you is dying to talk about their favorite game or anime. Um, even if it's something you're not into, be curious about it. Maybe you have a friend who just wishes someone would be willing to talk to them about anime. Ask them, hey, what's, what? where should I start? What's a good anime to start with? Um, and start watching that show and then just talk to them about it. Ask them questions. Um, use that as an opportunity to, to, to connect. Uh, but play to promote your own flourishing and the flourishing of your neighbors. So often people want us, I think, at Love Thy Nerd to tell them exactly what to to do when it comes to nerd missions. Like, right, tell me the five-step plan to reaching nerds. Like, give me each thing I should do in turn. But here's what I want to say. Honestly, a lot of you that are watching this, you're better positioned than I am to answer that question. I think my strengths are in gathering and synthesizing information so that people can make informed decisions, right? You however, are likely to have expertise, or if not expertise, at least interest in areas of nerd culture that I don't. So let's dream. Let's, let's dream up ways we can love and serve our nerdy neighbors. What do you want to do? How could you leverage your love of anime or tabletop RPGs or JRPGs for the sake of the kingdom to love and serve your nerdy neighbor? How could you use technology Listen, technology and games are brimming with potential for good to make the world a better place. But there's also potential there to exploit and to objectify people made in the image of God. So it's our job as followers of Jesus to know the difference. To know the difference between when games are being, are leading to flourishing and when they're objectifying. When our experience in them, I mean, there's so much, right? There's There's video game addiction, there's... There's the privilege. There's our privilege as people who are able to enjoy games. There's all the gatekeeping that goes on in nerd culture. There's a lot of toxicity and misogyny and sexism. Um, There's a lot there's a lot that we need to stand up against. Um, So dream about how you could stand up against some of those things. How you could um, help people who are marginalized to find the hope of Christ. Um, But think about ways you can leverage nerd culture for good. I mean, there's examples all over the things that we do at Love by Nerd. I mean, Minecraft League is such a cool, unique, innovative way to love and serve nerds, um, Minecraft players. Um, the way we serve at conventions uh, by, you know, serving in the booths of, of small game studios and things, um, you, know, you know, game companies, demoing their games. Um, that was born out of just, Throwing stuff to the wall and see to see what sticks. I mean, Matt and Bubba and and our team um, that lead our conventions, like it's just something that kind of we figured out that kind of fell into our lap through some of these relationships we were building, and we innovated and we just tried it. So I hope you feel this freedom to like innovate and try things, see what works. Um, Kevin Craig got this idea to take free cosplay photos of people at conventions, at at packs and so forth, Um, and and it ended up being this really cool unique ministry opportunity? How can you serve and love people on Twitch? How can you host game nights or have Discord discussion groups or Survivor Fantasy Leagues? Whatever it is, innovate, right? Let's dream how could you leverage your love of nerd culture to create proximity, build relationships, invite vulnerability, and point people to Jesus. So let's play better. Let's make margin. Uh, Let's plan to build relationships with nerds. Um, let's plan to build relationships with those who most want and need our attention. And let's examine our values. What's important to you? Is it your influencer status? Is it um, that people agree with you and see the world the way that you do? Or do you see all people as, as worthy of your attention and, and worthy of your, your time? Uh, let's make margin. Let's play better. Let's examine our values. I'm glad that Jesus sees me as someone who's worthy of his attention. So let's ask him, how can we better love and serve our nerdy neighbors? Let's dream and plan and hope and pray and watch. And watch what Jesus does to break down barriers and bite vulnerability between us and people we would have never dreamed we could ever have a meaningful relationship with. Don't limit yourself and don't limit Jesus. And and as we do that, here's what I think is going to happen. I think God's going to create opportunities for us to point people to Jesus. And listen, it doesn't have to be nerdy um, or quote-unquote nerdy, right? Um, During COVID-19, I found a tremendous opportunity to build relationships with the guys that I mountain bike with because during that time, I couldn't play games with a lot of the people in my game group. We weren't meeting because people didn't feel like it was safe. Um, But it was safer to go outside in in the open air um, and, and mountain bike social distance and mountain bike that was safer. So I doubled down on those relationships. So who's God putting in your path and how are you making margin for them? Um, how are you playing games with these people for the glory of God and the good of the world? Um, listen, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what you come up with. And thanks. H- hear me say this. Thank you so much for being here and being a part of this um, third ever LTN con um And joining with us as we seek to love and serve our nerdy neighbors and point them to Jesus. Um, So thankful for you. Thank you for your investment in us. Um, Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. And I do pray you would send us out into the world to love and serve our nerdy neighbors well. Help us to make margin for the people that need our time and attention. Um, Help us to examine our values as we do so. Is it about us or is it about you and your kingdom and, and helping other people find hope? In you and helping other people flourish in the kingdom of Christ. And then finally, help us to play better. Help us to play games and engage in nerd culture with other people in such a way that's not about us, but it's about you and your kingdom and loving other people and helping them find hope in your son. Pray that you bless the rest of LTN Con. Thank you for loving us so much and so well. Um, help us to step out into the world with that same love and to show that same love to others. It's in your son's name I pray.